Hi, I'm Tony Ayupi, and I make comics and zines. And you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Stunning. First time every time. Gotta love it. That's a tuxedo. I'm gonna call that one that. Oh, boy. Hey, wolf down dinner before we jump down. Hey, Tilly, I got this good podcast. They they seem to really be, you know, locked into your book, and they were very, you know, insightful. And she plays it and gets a big old burp in the first like three seconds. <laughs> Producer extraordinary, who's that? <laughs> Thanks for making work for me, bud. I love <laughs> no you, my no dude. He's dedicated to his craft, much like Tilly is. Yes, this is very true. Yeah, I am dedicated. And and we thank you for your dedication, dear listener, because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 807, and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And I am, of course, the gray man. Oh, you're not. You're not the gray man. You're Jason Wood, everybody, here together for this, our book of the month. Yes, this time around, we are going to take a look at On a Sunbeam, the emotional sandbox written and illustrated by Tilly Walden, published by First Second. I wonder Indeed. if this is going to be Vince's gateway drug, the First Second books. Right? I have a lot of First Second books. <laughs> What is happening? But have you seen The Gray Man, though? Uh, no. Hmm. I have not. No dap has. I, I haven't seen it. Is that with uh, Freddie Mercury? What's what? His, the, the actor that plays Freddie Mercury? The, is, no. it a, is it a film? It is it a is. film. Yeah, it's a Netflix film. It's, it's, it's another Russo's joint, Russo's Brothers joint. Right, um, it's like The Gray Man, a.k.a. Court Gentry, Gentry a.k.a. Sierra Six. Six. Yeah. And Chris Evans plays the baddie. Yep. And Renee can't handle it. She's like, I'm not. I can't. I, she, she was just like, it doesn't. I mean, the mustache helped because it it helped seal the deal. But she's like, I'm not. I'm. I. He does. Yeah. I can't. I can't see him as it's like as, as mirror, someone mirror. like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but and uh, the arms is If that's not. If he needed more reason to. Yes. Work. Oh my god. Yeah. And uh, Christina Hedrick. Billy Bob Thornton, Alfred Woodard. Oh, yeah. nice, nice. Uh, we would, great. We would like to thank ah. our patrons for making this possible. Yes, our patrons are there month in, month out for us. They elevate all of you people. Why? Because they give and they make this possible. Conventions and make everything associated with 11 o'clock comics possible. And we love them so we like to return the favor. We give them images and audio and text and video and... The um, the EOC Extra each month is around three to six hours long. And you just get that for being a patron. It's crazy backroom stuff, but uh, they seem to like it. Uh, not the least of which we also have a dedicated Slack channel. Yep. A big old group of, of like-minded individuals, male, female, non-binary. And we uh, we meet every day to just chew the fat about everything. Comics, not the least of which comics. So uh, please check it out. P- 
patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. Come into the family. And uh, since you mentioned the Patreon and the patrons and the Slack, uh, typically, with this being our Book of the Month Club uh, episode, we shifted gears somewhat. And uh, we used to do it one way. This year, we started doing it a different way. This month, we just went completely off the rails. And I bring all that together because uh, Joel Swain, who's on the Slack, um, mentioned in response to our episode where we talked about uh, Clementine that um, Vince and I really aren't too familiar with Miss Walden's work and uh, Joel said that it is why he will forever be suggesting on a sunbeam until it is picked as book of the month. Well, here you have it, Joel. He said it on the slack. We made it official. We're talking about it tonight. And this is what happens when you're part of the inner circle. Right. Hanging out with the cool kids. I'm just curious as to uh, what book he's going to replace it with now. Right. Yeah. Which is cool. But um, huge hugs. For, for really cramming this down our throat because uh, I can't see coming out of this book unchanged. And we'll get to it, but I think that's part of the reason uh, why it was designed. Look at you. Yep. Well, before we get all in our feels, what, uh, what are you washing down your gullet tonight with, Vince? Well, um, I would never wash my gullet with something this exquisite. It is a piping hot, two of them, uh, large black McDonald's coffee. Now, finest bean in the land. By definition, won't the second one not be piping hot by the time you get to it? No, that's the thing. I don't like my coffee. Super, super. Thank you. Super, super hot. I uh, I like my coffee a little bit above room temperature. Oof. Okay. Yeah. Not, I can't do iced coffee. Just doesn't seem right. But uh, I don't like hot coffee either. Cliff and Justin's ears just perked up. Yeah. So there you go. Been, drink, been drinking iced coffee on the regular lately. Um, but I'm not drinking iced coffee. Uh, oh. Nope. No siree. Uh, I'm drinking the grape. <gasps> What's happening? Well, it's a, it, this is a special book. I mean, it's this sure is an all-timer is. book, so I, I felt the need to celebrate. So I am drinking. It's a new. It's new to me. Remember, you old-time listeners will know we used to have an eleven o'clock co- eleven o'clockers <laughs> category new to me that we got rid of. Well, this is a new to me wine. It is Guardarios. Uh, it's twenty twenty vintage. It is a red blend from Portugal, uh, and uh, it got a really nice write-up in uh, Decanter. Got a 97, Vince. A 97. Ooh, wow, yeah. I must yeah. run out and grab some of that. Yeah, it's a blend of uh, Aroganes, Syrah, Trincadera, and Alicante Boucher grapes. Damn. And they're yeah. all aged in separate lots, in separate barrels for eight months and then combined. They ain't um, Yeah, not playing. It's really, really tasty. Um, and, uh, and not too expensive. Like 20, 20 buckish, 20 ish buckets. Not bad. No, it's yeah. not so bad. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Guarda, Guarda Rios. Uh, nice. River Guard, basically. Uh, yeah, so uh, how about you, Dap? Uh, I, too, am trying something new. Um, uh, you'll hear me pop open the can because I 
So uh, Onyx's in-laws went to uh, Long Island last week, and um, they, they 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 always visit Montauk Brewery, and they uh, they handed me a four pack. It's Montauk's Brew Barn series. It's a session ale. It is jalapeno watermelon. And I have no idea what this is going to be like. That does not sound like you at all. Like, that would be the last thing I would expect you to drink. I know. So I have to try it. Do they not know you? And um, it is not horrible at all. I would like like this. This is, no, this is, because you can kind of, the watermelon's barely there. You do get some jalapeno when you start it, but it's incredibly smooth. I like this beer. Holy shit. Nice. That's Good. great. Okay. That's awesome. There we go. Cool. So as we always do with our books of the month, I must ask my faithful... <laughs> this is one time where you absolutely know the answer. He does. <laughs> he's, compatriots. He's Karnak right now. Listeners. listeners. Uh, when is the first time each of you experienced this wonderful graphic novel? <laughs> um... This weekend, this past weekend, <laughs> yeah, yes, and it, but it, I, I, to just to clarify and maybe embellish, mm-hmm. when I finished, it was one of the. Um, as I get older, it seems to be happening more often. Uh, as I finished, I'm like, why the hell did I wait so long to read this? Mm-hmm. You didn't wait that long. I mean. This this version this the graphic novel version was printed in 2018. So, right, but it was a web comic. Yes, right, and and I believe Dap, your answer is the same, right? Uh, I actually I um I finished it uh, today's Wednesday. I finished it I think either Monday or Tuesday morning. But I've been I mean I've I've been going through it um, since for a little over. A little over a week now, a week and a half, because um, I've been taking my time with it. But I've had it in my possession for a while. I think before the pandemic, it just it's it was one of those things where I knew everybody I knew read it and loved it, and I'm like, well, I need to have this. Then I just like just like with everything else, we all buy, we keep buying books, we don't know when the hell we'll get around to actually reading them, and it's been sitting here next to me on the shelf of my desk. But um, yeah, I'm I'm an idiot for waiting so long to read it but mm-hmm. uh it is one of those things where you know better late than never i mean it really yeah. it doesn't matter yeah. when you read it as long as you do read it For you sure. know it, it's it's amazing that you mentioned the pandemic because i think this book would have been a perfect pandemic book absolutely yeah. because um we consume at a at a rapid pace Breakneck. and because we had so much time to think and comment and and deliberate during the pandemic like we were going on and on about the silliest things because we had time uh, had we read this during that let's call it what it was a luxury period um i think we would have come out of the pandemic uh more well-rounded better people <laughs> because of it there we go well, some of uh, us. Jason was pretty much already there. It's facts, yeah. I, I read this January 2019, and I know that because, as you all know, I have this, this 
process that generally it's it's calendar based. I I when we're getting ready to do our eleven o'clockers and I'm compiling all of the stuff, I often will take a look at the uh, you know the the lists that are out there for for best comics and whatnot and. And there's always stuff that uh, rises to the top that uh, I hadn't read or ordered, and I make a note of that. And then in January, I usually place an order to try it on a bunch of the stuff that, that I missed that, that got accoladed the year before. And this was one of those things where it came out in the fall of 2018. And then at year end, I mean, it was just uh, just just voluminous. I mean, every, every site, every every site imaginable that you could find pretty much called it out as one of the best books of not only that year, but in, in a long time, maybe it's generation depending. And, uh, so I ordered it as part of a big, big box. O stuff to catch up on and read it, uh, read it that January, uh, 2019. So, um, as you noted, Vince, this was originally a web comic that Tilly published, uh, starting in 2016, actually. So uh, when she was, I think, 19 years old? <laughs> you know, and I don't think... I'm going to stop. Um, I will never, ever again say, oh, this person's so young. It's, mm-hmm. this, this is just amazing. Because I, I don't think that um, there's a, a, a requirement for, for making art. You could be... Uh, the same could be said if, if Tilly was like 96 and produced something like this. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be... It shouldn't be uh, – the, the amazing qualities of the book should not be attached to her age. That's all I'm saying. I, yeah, and, I'm, and I think we should the, – the, what do they, what do they say? Ageist, ageism, whatever. I, I don't think we should apply that to art anymore because um, your opinion may vary, but like the Stones are still making music. It, sure. it's, it's not as great as it was, once yeah. was, but it still has the qualities, right, that, that attracted you to them in the first place. So I, I'm just removing that from my lexicon. I will never associate a person's age with their abilities. Mm-hmm. I do think it is – I think you're right, but I do think in this case it is germane to mention her age only because uh, – and we obviously just discussed another one of her books in Clementine, but um, so much of her work to date has been uh, clearly – driven by her own age and and by what counts fascination with that transition from childhood to adulthood i mean that's been a a very much a running theme in her work and i don't think it's a coincidence that it's in part because she's been making these comics from say the age of 17 to her early 20s and uh, i do think now that she is in her mid-20s and uh, a married woman and um Lots, you know, a, a grown-up, if you will. I'm, I'm interested to see how her, the themes that she's playing with in her works evolve because of that. Like, it does seem like she lets her own personal uh, experiences and interests of the moment um, inform her work, her art. And so, I do think that as she gets older, we will see her work transition to other uh, right. phases of life. Would be my guess. Well, uh, by and large. Um, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I believe that each new generation um, springs from the womb smarter than the ones before it, just inherently smarter. Um, because as technology and society, uh, whatever, a- a- advances, they they have 
more opportunities to experience than the previous generations had, right? Um, and, and I think when a generation looks at a new generation um, and like, oh, they're, they're so um, entitled and they're, they're so needy and stuff, well, I, I think new generations look at all the idiosyncrasies of previous generations and like, why did you guys do that? Like, that was so dumb. Like, you wasted so much time doing all this stupid shit. And, and yes, I know with the social media generation that they do waste time doing stupid shit. But, <laughs> I mean, I'll say something to, to some of my, my kids. Like, Nina's 25. And, and I give her the old, well, this is, be, this is how we've always done it. And she's like, well, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, like they, they have the ability to cut through a lot of the the generational bullshit that we've just done. We've the the the, the dogma or whatever that we followed for all of our existence. And they can pick out the things that are silly. They don't make sense. Right. I think that's a benefit of new generations where they can look at the mistakes of everyone. Not mistakes, but the the, the oddities of everyone that came before them. And and hopefully learn from it, and I think they do in a certain sense. My my kids are definitely smarter at their age than I was, mm-hmm. uh, uh, corresponding age. So I think, and it just goes back to the the the, the ageist uh, thing about the art. I, I just think that um, intuition and instinct and uh, this generation of artists they have um, a lot more than we did at their age. Is right. Right. Well, I, I think the thing I've become low-key obsessed with Tilly. Um, I could see how. Yeah. Yeah. Just just the person, the, like the per, their creator. Um, and I think I don't remember if if, if we mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago when we talked about Clementine, but um, but David Harper, who uh, is the host of Off Panel, friend of the show, uh, great podcast in its own right. If you if you only have to listen to one podcast, make it ours. But if you have room for a second one, make it his. Um, oh, I like that. Right, mm-hmm. um, but he he interviewed Tilly uh, in conjunction with Clementine uh, a month or two back, and uh, she's just delightful. I mean, she's so thoughtful. And Vince, you know, she I don't know if you know that she is a, she is a college professor. Um, she only teaches one semester because she that's she wants to devote her time to uh, to, to creating book outside of that, and then her wife actually teaches the other semester, um, so they they alternate, but. Um, but but just hearing her talk about how much her students mean to her and uh, and the passion that she puts in the to that just cri- the critiquing and teaching of art and 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 nice and the specifics of how you know she said it's so frustrating when she sees people say like oh you you could do better or, or punch this up or make this more exciting and you know she said these young creators look, look with mouth and say well how and she said so I really do try and get into the specifics you know maybe if you use a different line weight maybe if you use a pencil here instead of a pen maybe if you take it from a different angle here and use this perspective and I'll and oh, I'll I sketch do that it out for them I yeah I know that's what I said I said this is like this this is how Vince likes to teach and wow yeah so so I really just every every everything I I read about her or have the chance to to hear about her and her perspective it's just so it I, I joke that my uh that my youngest is, uh, you know, 13 going on 30 and, and Tilly, I, I don't know. Admittedly, I don't know what she, what her interview sounded like when she was 18 making some of these books, but, but I, I, I hear her now and she just sounds someone that's so full of wisdom and also is very unassuming, very, I mean, confident in her work and her talent, but also not in a, 
in a pretentious way. Um, I just, I don't know. I just find her very, very engaging and charming uh, as a person and especially her process. Um, yeah. So I just, I, I find her really engaging. And, and even as much as uh, the idea of making this a web comic, um, you know, you would think because of her age and her generation that it was just a native decision, but she said that she didn't know anything about web comics when she decided to make this web comic. She had never read web comic when she put this up on the web. Um, she said she just knew that it was a, a medium that would allow her to share the story for free to people and that she uh, felt that a lot of the people she was trying to reach, uh, young readers and her fans, didn't have the money to spend $20, $30 on a published book. And she wanted this to see and reach a wide audience that could enjoy it. And that's that's so she had to teach herself on the fly about web comics and setting up a site and publishing and promoting it. She had no idea. Uh, and then she said, even even after the fact, she's very she's read very few web comics since then. It's it was it wasn't like she was it wasn't like this was like, oh, well, she's a kid of the of the she's a millennial. So, of course, she's going to do web comic. That, that was this was completely born out of wanting to share it uh, with the widest audience possible right. and deciding that was the best mechanism for it. So. I think it's a good thing she went into yeah. it um, not knowing what the status quo was of webcomics. It, it's just like the old mood board, the dreaded mood board, whenever you're, uh, well, in, in some ad agencies uh, or whenever you, you produce um, something for a target audience, you go out and you look at all the similar things produced for said target audience right. and you put them up on a board and that just makes, opens the door to mediocrity because mm -hmm. you're inevitably going to produce something in line with everything that's been produced before. It's much better if you just go like and try to explain that to to head designers. They're just like, "No, we must be in in step with with what's being done." No, you don't have to be in step. The good stuff is not in step. The good stuff steps to its own beat, but whatever. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and um no, I'm just it makes perfect sense that she wasn't um, because this is not this is unlike any webcomic that I have ever read. I mean, right. I know they reformatted it for the the printed page, but if I if I saw this on the screen and I was scrolling through this, it, it's totally unconventional. It, 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 yeah, and to it, your point, I believe she now I didn't read it in webcomic form, but I believe she put this out on the web monthly in thirty page increments. Wow. So it wasn't like she was doing the panel a day or the six panels a week. She, she was putting this out as basically an oversized full issue of a comic every month for almost two years. I mean, the, for, for, we should probably mention to people that the, the version, I guess we're speaking about tonight really is the, is the collected graphic novel form from first second. And it's a little more than 500 pages. Right. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a meaty tome for sure. And I also should say that her, her same going in naively and not having the weight of, of convention or expectation into the form of the webcomic is the same to be said about the genre here. I mean, this is uh, certainly if you were to describe this in elevator pitch, it, it would, you would involve mentioning it's a science fiction book and it is, but, uh, but much like her not knowing much about webcomics, she had never read much science fiction or watched much science fiction. It wasn't a genre she particularly cared for. Um, and, um, and, and really, her her views of it were largely driven by some tropes, which I don't even think were necessarily fair, but she viewed it as as mainly a a a, a, a genre that was dominated by uh, 
straight men talking about stories of straight men saving the universe. Uh, so, um, and again, that's that's probably a little of a narrow definition of, of science fiction. I think those of us that like the genre would agree. But but nevertheless, it, it speaks to, although this is certainly a science fiction comic, um, it, it doesn't, I think, fit neatly into the bucket one would think when you say science fiction, other than it takes place in space. Yeah, I don't think that's a narrow definition at all. Be, because, uh, you know, if you if you look at the breadth of science fiction... Um, since its inception, the Andre Nortons and the, the Ursula K. Le Guin's aside, most of it was written by middle-aged men. And, and if it wasn't, it was women disguised as men in order for for them to be able to work. So, and the, I I think she's pretty much on the money with that definition. But we mentioned the word convention a bunch of times in the past, mm-hmm. like couple minutes. I think this is a book that defies convention. It looks at it and laughs. It's like, oh, I think that's for sure. Yeah, I think and I think uh, it's not really our place to say why others consider it an all-time great book or a book of its generation. But certainly, as we speak about it, and I think why why it's it's certainly. I mean, I, I've enjoyed all of her work. I think this is her strongest work to date. Uh, and I think one of the reasons is exactly that, Vince. It defies convention, and it really is a book that uh, unapologetically weaves in and out of different conventions, different themes, different settings, different moods. And I think what makes it special is that that is not easy to do. It's like, Dap will get this analogy more than you will, Vince, but it's like when you watch a great chef on TV <laughs> cooking something and it they make it look ridiculously easy. Yeah. But the depth of flavor and the technique and everything that is in that is so hard to pull off that when you're at home trying to do it, it's just a, it's a shadow of that. And I think she's, whether it's innate talent or, 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 or meticulous obsessional practice or a combination of the two, she manages to, uh, so confidently bend in between all of these different ideas and moods and settings and, 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 uh, and tropes in, a, but it, it works seamlessly. And I, I think that's in, in, in less astute hands, that would be an abject failure. Right. Right. Well, there's a number of ways. Um, I saw it as a convention crushing work, the length, number one, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's very, it's an expanded universe, um, to be sure. And tied to that, she is it is does she identify as nine non-binary or is is no no she she identifies as female. Okay, cool. Well, um, she she's a, she's a self-professed lesbian woman. Right. Okay. She allows scenes to play out. She allows them to define their length. I think, like you'll just have a character walking around looking at stuff. But it's part of the narrative and things are going on. The reasons why the character is in that setting at that point is is part of the story. But she doesn't pull back and say, okay, I did this for two pages. That's a little bit too much. I'm just going to continue the story like, in, in another direction. It, the, the, there seems to be an organic um, propulsion to, or, or, to the scenes where they define how their length right uh, there were some passages where i'm like wow this is ballsy because you've been at this for eight pages so far and you you keep going 
So that's neat. I like that a lot. I don't like the two-page fight scene, two-page fights. You know, like the 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 four-four meter of some comics where the, you know this happens and then you get a, a a fight scene to keep people happy and then you get a little bit of narrative and then another like there's an established pattern to to some lot of the things that we've read. This doesn't seem to have a pattern, and and just when you think there's a pattern. It dovetails into something else. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was just—it was hard to get a beat on it, and um, I, it was a little, very unorthodox, but a little disconcerting in some sections because you can't define your surroundings, like what is happening here. But then you'll get the gist of it, and and she allows the reader to get the gist at their own pace. I think yeah. she doesn't shoehorn it and say this is what's happening. There's like mm-hmm. there's no neon arrow pointing to something like in a video game saying pick up this rope because you're going to need it at the end of the game. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Very just such a good book, and um, I I have some suspicions, and I could never. Uh, find out if they're true unless I talk to her. But there's a scene in this book, there's an interaction that I got the feeling the entire scaffolding of the story was built around this one scene. And it's impossible for me to, justif- to justify my suspicions or, or, mm-hmm. or uh, confirm them without talking to her. Mm-hmm. But, and we'll get to it when we get to it. Mm. So, I mean, we should take a step back and and just explain to those who haven't had a chance to read it yet. Um, It's it's effectively, as we said, it it is a sci-fi book in that it's set in space and at some point in the future, or it might even be our reality. It's but it's it's uh, it is definitely not of of, it's a space travel is commonplace. Um, So certainly, it's it's again, if it's if it's our reality, it's the far flung future, but. But either way, um, the story centers around a young woman named Mia. So she is effectively, it's a dual narrative. Um, we are introduced to her as a uh, young adult in couple early 20s, and she is starting her first job. Uh, it's, she's the newbie of part of a crew who travel around and restore architecture. Uh, across um, the galaxy and um, she joins a, a, a cast of characters uh, there are uh, the captain is named uh, there's Alma and Char the captain and, and, and her wife uh, and then there's Jules and Elliot Jules is probably close to Mia's age maybe a bit younger but, but very childlike Elliot is uh, is mute an imp- I don't know is that the right word is that, is that no, no. They, they they just don't talk they've um, they they don't they don't speak uh, in general there's there, there are scenes that you'll see right right, on, right but yeah right, but they right. they they, right. they, they right. just choose not to speak right and and, and Dap is saying they Elliot is non-binary, uh, identified as non-binary, uh, and and then, as I said, the book has a dual narrative. So so we we see we see Mia and this cast of characters on on their journey, but we also roll back 
uh, roughly five years to when Mia was a freshman at an elite boarding school and her experiences there, which uh, center around uh, her interactions with, with her classmates, some of which are your classic bullies, but mainly it's it's her story with uh, Grace, who is new to the school and uh, much different than Mia, but they become fast friends and eventually become lovers. And uh, so you've got this dual this dual narrative of time shifted masterfully. I might add how 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 she's able to uh, Tilly's able to go back and forth without it being confusing. Uh, but then, but then as the book goes on, the the two narratives do uh, end up combining and uh, intertwining. So um, it's also worth noting that the story is devoid of um, of males. It, there is no male presence in the book of any kind. Now, yes, Elliot has a male name uh, and is depicted with somewhat more masculine features, but but Elliot, as we mentioned, is non-binary. So there are no people in the book that identify as male. Um, and yes. what's interesting about that is it's just it's just the way it is. It's not addressed. It's not. A social commentary, or at least it's not meant to be, not made out to be. It's, it's. There's no explanation for it. It just is, right? There's a, uh, there's a, the, 1939, the original version of the movie, The Women. Um, it, it's very much, it's similar to that, where it, it, the cast is, is, is made up of women, and most of them are married. But you really don't realize it until you're almost done watching it that absolutely no males have appeared in this movie. Right, and that, I was I was thinking of that while reading this. I right. I think we should flesh out Elliot a little more, just before sure. we go into it, because because um, yeah, Elliot's got a past. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the thing. Um, Elliot escaped um, a very dangerous um, and oppressive uh, environment uh, because of his. Why was it dangerous and oppressive uh, for him? Because for for them, because of something they did, and uh, they fled the environment. It's called the staircase. It's a sector of basically the old west uh, in space. It it's a sector of space from which things come that cannot be found anywhere else in in the galaxy. So. It was uh, at one time a very valuable sector of space, but um, people are greedy and and try to to take the resources and the owners of this uh, staircase put a lockdown on it. So they're a very insular group of people. Um, they have their customs and they're they're unlike customs anywhere else in, in the galaxy. And those that reside within the staircase never leave, but um, Elliot did, or L, and um, as you'll see, someone else uh, left, and and it was thought that they were the first to leave when in fact they were not. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but Elliot uh, chooses not to speak because of their past, mm-hmm. and um, it, it it it's a little. Odd at first, but um, the reasoning I think is sound. Um, I I just um, 
the thing one of the things that that surprised me was the the book is full because it's set in space and it's uh, um a universe very much unlike ours the ships they travel in they're mm-hmm. they're they're alive yeah right but, they look like like giant beta fish like fish yeah. fish in space mm-hmm. with 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 wings and or 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 giant flippers but uh, you would expect a sci-fi author to milk the shit out of that like um let's get in our ship uh, the the quantum you know noodle and mm-hmm. the, the ships have been produced uh, scientifically in in very <laughs> like they would go on and on and on about the the workings of the ship because a, a fish in space is pretty damn cool sure. right but walden doesn't do that it's like okay let's get in our ship and it just happens to be a fish right there's it's no it, it's yeah. like the least nerdy sci-fi book i think i've read in a long time there's no masturbation over the concepts in it it's, they just are like the the staircase in this nasty sector of space, it we're told this because of a classroom setting, where Mia's like, oh, do I have to? I can't believe this stuff. And the teachers, you know, um, asking the 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 students about this. Who knows what this sector of space is? And so it's like a, a teacher student type thing. So you get an insight into the workings of this universe, but it's not like there's no map. This is not a fantasy book where there's a map you can <laughs> you can over which you could drool, right? Um, which is 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 uh, uh, inside the story because the thing with Elliot, Elliot was close to a map maker, right? And and the map maker was in a very dangerous uh, situation, and Elliot stepped in to do the unthinkable, and that's what ostracized him. From mm-hmm. from the the peop- him sorry them from the 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 people the denizens of the stairwell so mm-hmm. uh, they're on the run uh, they're basically in hiding. One of the things that's really impressive to me is that uh, so many things that are in this book purposefully are unremarkable. By design, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 it is absolutely a queer coming of age book, but it's unremarkable in this setting because it's all female character or non-binary characters. So, love of one's own gender is perfectly rational. There's not. It just is. There's not. It. It. it right. And it's the same thing with with um, race. Yeah. Grace is. As much as it's not even really defined, but but one would at least I took it that Grace and her family are uh, women of color, and yeah. Mia is drawn um, either Caucasian or light skinned Asian. I'm not quite sure because again, she, she totally doesn't define it, but but light skinned and but but there's no race just is in this book. There's no no delineate. There's no delineation. It's it's not of import. Right. Uh, it, it seems to be that this universe has um, dispensed with any of that bullshit. And but, because the sisters well, were, well, were just but, like, but then, oh, you got your first girlfriend. Isn't that uh, – that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't like, just like, what? You're in love with a girl? Like no. It was just, hey. You know, they were so happy for her. Right. But remember 
I think it's so powerful because everything does seem to be just accepted in this world when Joe, who is the boss of the construction crew, is admonishing them for a mishap and is mad that Elliot won't speak to Joe and Joe misgenders Elliot. And they constantly they, they take offense and say, you keep using the wrong pronouns. And so it's interesting to me. Uh, especially when this book was written, because uh, from my vantage, I think that the effort and emphasis on uh, gender normative pronoun usage and being sensitive to that has changed dramatically, at least in the uh, non-LGBTQ community between 2016 and 2022. So You just hit I, the nail right on the head, my friend. That's the scene that I'm confident the entire book was built around. Okay. Yeah, speak on it. Be, um, I think Jules is the best character in the book. We, I mean, I, I, I love them all. I think Mia's great. But for my money, Jules is by far the best character <laughs> yeah. because she has that centerpiece, that scene where their boo, their boo, be, because of something Mia did, Mia was foolhardy and irrational and, and ducked under safety tape to check something out. She's inquisitive. She, she, she has a thirst for, for experience, right? She walked into this area and she could have died. Something, something very bad happened to her. She was saved. But because of her actions, the boss, their friend, their boo, Char, got bounced. And someone else was brought in, Joe as you said, and um, as you also said, that Joe was told about the pronouns and about the fact that Elle doesn't speak and just chose to ignore it. And so she's admonished by Jules. And Jules says, look, we could have hated you. We could have taken it all out on you the minute you set foot in here, but we didn't. We gave you the benefit of the doubt. We told you about the pronouns. We told you about the, the speaking and you chose not to listen. And she goes, well, I, you know, I, it wasn't important because this is a job. And Jules says, and this is the line that just knocked me on my ass. You don't get to define what's important to us. Mm-hmm. You define you. Your sphere of, of, of influence resides around you, not us in this, in this respect. So we gave you a chance. You chose not to, to take us seriously. And now, fuck you. And Mia says the same thing. Mia says, yeah, fuck yeah, in the back, you know? And that's like the, that's the fist pumping scene of the entire book. And, and I'm thinking, Walden had this scene in her, in her mind, I'm guessing, way before the specifics were, were delineated. Because that's a scene that just stands out. I, I think it, it's the whole, if, if you look at what, what Mia and the group do, what do they do? They, they reconstruct old architecture. How more symbolic can you get? I think that's very important. What they're doing is they're taking the past and they're they're fixing it in in quotes for the present. They're they're taking these these old edifices and making them inhabitable for beings living right now. That that's what that. So if you consider the buildings are, are the the old ways. Right, these existed for a long time, and people fled them or whatever happened to them. And now they're 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 shoring them up. They're they're getting them all inhabitable, and they're saying, okay, that was the old mode of thinking. This is the new. We're making this ready for you. Come on in. This is how we think 
I think that scene is the the defining scene in the entire book. And it's in the middle of the book. It's not like it's the big right. climax, right. or some major moment at the end. It it's it's just it's, but because the entire book and how we are introduced to these characters and we're watching them and 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 with them as they restore the buildings and get to know each other and get each other's ass, play the games, and everything. It's it's just you're you're totally with Jules in that moment because since you've you've been with her for almost 300 pages at this point and 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 you kind of get her attitude but but yeah absolutely for her to finally just be for for for, for this new captain to just and and she still tries to deflect and 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 make it about her it's like oh i screwed up some words and and oh well it was right me. it's like but you just don't get it and 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 that's what you just want to th- shake people by the shoulders and tell everybody who doesn't get it today just read these two pages Maybe right. you'll sink in. If exactly. It you're just a lost cause, but read these two pages. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like a manifesto. This yeah. is why we're angry. It's very simple. You're just not listening. Right. It, 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 it may take a little bit more effort on your part, but this is who we are. We have desires the same as you do. Our, our attention span is, is very much like yours. Some, you know, sometimes we get distracted, but when it matters, listen. Listen to these, mm-hmm. what we're saying. That's all. That's all mm-hmm. we're asking. We're not asking, you know, for reparations or anything. Mm-hmm. Or, or all we're asking is you just put us on the same level as yourself for one right. instance. That's it. It's like I, everybody, anybody with that mindset just completely forgets about the golden rule. It's just do unto others. Right. How is that? We learn that when we're three years old. We learn that in early grade school. And you just, you still, like, now you're an adult. And you're just fuck it. Now I'm just gonna live my life and and help everybody else. And you need to you need to accommodate me. And it's like, man, oof. Yeah, you don't have to transform your life. You don't have to come over to our side. But try and 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 get a little bit of insight into what it is like on our side. That's it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that scene is just friggin' beautiful. And the fact and the fact that it's like on page two hundred and eighty whatever. <laughs> I know right. a 500 page book. It's like, I uh, see, you know, a, a, a less experienced or a less insightful creator would have put that at the end because yeah. it's a stinger, man. It, once you read that, once you experience that, 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 um, conversation, you, it, you I had to stop because mm-hmm. it's just like, this makes so much damn sense. And just some okay. of the things that Jules says through the book, like the one sequence when it's just like, um, I want a hug, or you know, just, uh-huh. she's so funny. And and so um, we didn't explain. You did. Uh, Jules is uh, Alma's niece. Yeah. And right. so Jules has a past as well, in, in which you know parents are no longer around for whatever reason. And so um, Alma was the sister and and took Jules in. So Jules doesn't seem like she fits in because when when there there are parts of the books where certain characters will go off on a job and and Jules is like oh there goes the click like I'm not a part of that you're leaving me like she 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 has a fear of being um shunted to the sidelines and and when she gets close to Mia when Mia is with other characters she shows that fear she's like well what about me like i'm uh, i'm i'm your buddy aren't we friends and it's just i can totally understand that someone that's been removed from their their parents and and 
put in a, a surrogate home or, or, or environment, such as it is, keeps changing, um, they would have a fear of being left alone or being abandoned, right? It makes total sense to me. It's fun. For sure, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was just running off. But no, I, it, no. that scene just like it, it totally energized me. I, w- I was reading until like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I got to that, and I was just like, well, I'm not putting this down now. Mm-hmm. I got to keep going. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that there's a there's a softness to, to Tilly's work visually that is hard to describe unless you I – mean, unless you see it, um, it, everything feels just organic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked about the spaceships, I mean, but but it, she has made no, no, no qualms about the fact that she worships at the altar of, of Miyazaki and Tezuka. And um, and things like Nausicaa is one of her favorite things ever. And, you know, so you, you can see that that informed her approach to creating a space epic, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of of just just everything is there there are there are very few hard lines in the way that she draws bodies or 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 landscapes or even buildings it's 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 all very much exaggerated and and and, and curvy and rounded um some of the uh, ships are buildings yeah yeah it's crazy yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the school coming to, to play yeah. a game, and, and it's like here comes the here comes the school, and it's just a big. It big is the school shuffling through space, <laughs> knocking in. Ah. And she doesn't get lost in the minutia. You mentioned Vince, uh, and and some of these tropes are things that I absolutely adore. I mean, I, I love a good. And we joke about we we all love a good map of a of a land when we're reading a story, or, we, or I love when you see specks of yeah on, on that guy. I love that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to say that I'm poo-pooing that, but, but she, but Tilly's not about that life. You know, she, mm-hmm. she's, she's about introducing concepts and, and understanding that they may be left of center from the way that we normally look at the world or, or, or they are fantastical, but she doesn't, she's not too overly concerned about making you comfortable with how they work or why they work or the nuances of them. You know, this is not Star Trek, right? And again, no shade to Star Trek. I love Star Trek and that plus Star Trek, but, but but this is not explaining how the dilithium crystals work. Damn it! I was just going to say dilithium crystals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't, right. And, that, and again, there's nothing not wrong with focus. that either. There's nothing wrong with that either. But 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 Tilly is definitely takes a different approach to this. Different approach to the story. Like even with the game that the in in uh, when so we should say when when Mia's in high school uh, at her school there's this uh, it's a sport and and it's her favorite her favorite thing about the school is this sport that they play. And uh, it's been compared to a version of Quidditch, I guess. Yeah, but, it's a but, lot like Quidditch. Yeah. But it's it's essentially the opposing teams build these these contraptions, these spaceships, and the spaceships are then in a room and they fly around trying to capture planets, which are essentially light emitting spheres or balls or right. what have you. That's why the game is called Lux. Right. It, the game is called Lux Lux. And she gives us that, and she gives us that Mia's passionate about it, and we see a little bit of it, and 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 we see them playing it a few times. But but she doesn't explain how the ships fly, or 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 how the balls are created, or strategy for winning, or um, which you would have gotten in say Harry Potter, right? We learn a lot about Quidditch and, and their strategies, and, and so so she just um, similarly with 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 the the spaceship. Uh, there's a part late in the book where the spaceship appears to be malfunctioning; they're flying away in and. Um, they just work on fixing it, but there's not. They don't zero in on the details like, oh, we have to fix the the and make sure the 
the the, the doppelganger is 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 exchanged. It's just okay. They they work on fixing it because they're capable yeah. of fixing it. And um, L, they all have different roles on the on the team. But L uh, is is the 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 tech guru. L seems to have some kind of ability to uh, connect with technology in a way in a deep, almost spiritual way. Uh, that that's that's difficult to describe. They don't even quite understand it. And 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 L just is good at these things. L sees the matrix, if you will. Um, but, but but again, they don't. She doesn't. She doesn't give us thirty pages explaining how L does it or or why it works. It's just it's just a statement of fact. And then you move on and say, okay, well that's so. Yeah. In this world, there's crazy tech, and and L's better at it than the rest of them. Okay, but, duly but- the, there's kind of an explanation, a, a, a symbolic or, or conceptual one, because L was with the map maker, uh, the cartographer, and it said somewhere in the book that L is very good at pathways and connections, and that's essentially what a cartographer does. True. Right? true. They they delineate mm-hmm. relationships between areas, uh, writ large. Right? They can see the big picture and connect the 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 micro right mm-hmm. and uh, she doesn't say that this is why l is so good at what they do because sure. no you have to pick that up on your own if you want to it doesn't really matter but as far as the the lux game goes the walden uses the the pieces of the game to devastating effect like in that scene uh, sequence where Christine has Mia trapped in the room and Grace is leaving, right? And it's during the the game and uh, Christine lets Mia out of the room and Mia, to her credit, doesn't hate her, doesn't punch her in the face. Um, she just goes to back to the game to see where Grace was and when she finds out that Grace isn't there, that one panel and it's the... the uh, the art for this episode, because I thought the panel was just exquisite. It's all white almost. Mia's doubled over, and the ships are ripping through her stomach. They're mm-hmm. ju- they're just mm-hmm. tearing a hole in her. So the thing that she loved was the game, but now she will forever associate that game with the fact that the person that she loved is gone right. in, in that environment. That scene, right. that that panel is just freaking incredible. It's mm-hmm. just amazing. I love it, love it, love it. Let's talk about the art for a second because um, it's a distinct. Tilly has a distinctive style, and it's not overly detailed, uh, particularly when it comes to rendering the the human, the characters uh, in the book. Uh, often, eyes are a dot, noses are a line or two. It's 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 not hyper detailed, uh, realistic um, figure drawing. But it works, and this is where I feel the least. For someone that's so into art, I guess I would feel I'd be better at this. But I, I always feel like it's hard in a spoken podcast to properly convey when non-conventional art is great and why it works. Um, so I don't know if either of you want to take a stab at it because, because again, like it sounds like you're insulting us saying it's a relatively simple line or it's not hyper detailed. But but that's the magic of it, and it and she's incredibly good at conveying emotion and. And 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 wonderment and 
and and certainly makes great use of of the idea of comics and sequential storytelling in the way that she frames sequences or paces the book. But it, it's but but the the line work itself, I'm I'm kind of at a loss to explain what it looks like or why it works. I think the line is understated when it has to be. Um, I think she's a graphic designer with the instincts of an illustrator. Because uh, the, the, I, the attraction to her work for me is more based on design than it is on the quality of her line. I don't think she really cares about... Well, I shouldn't say that. There, there doesn't seem to be as much concern placed on the quality of the line, the thick or the thin or the raggedness or the grittiness or whatever, or the cleanliness of the line, as there is on composition. Some of the, 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 the panel, well, a lot of the panels in the book are perfectly composed to the detriment of everything. Um, the, you'll have a page or two of talking heads, maybe nine panels per page, and it's just people talking. But the the focus is not static. It's it's very dynamic. She'll she'll zoom in when she has to. She'll pull out when she has to, and then she'll give us two panels with a white background of just characters taking off their jackets and undoing their shoes and their or their hair. But then you'll get these panels of um, environments like Grace and me will be walking by a window, and it looks like there's a freaking celestial whirlpool outside. Like this incredibly designed organic thing that's not based on line, but based on color and shape and pattern, right? And 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 texture. So she's she's milking the elements of design, but I think she's a rock solid designer, graphic designer that can draw. And and I know that the two disciplines are basically the same thing until that endpoint where they split, and and graphic designer does it one way, and the illustrator does it another way usually involving drawing or painting right um but i i think her line is exactly as it should be right it's 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 um it's not precious right uh her blacks are astounding she knows how to spot blacks and and how to use them to great effect i just think she's a, a consummate designer she's great uh it's a get it done aesthetic the 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 line work is there to get it done. Yeah, it, it's you know she's not P. Craig Russell. <laughs> there right, there's yes. there's no flourish to anything. It's just this is the way these characters. Right, this isn't J.H. Williams. No, uh, uh, no, no, no. It's, it's, it, 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 so you could argue. I mentioned P. Craig, P. Craig Russell. You could argue that a lot of that stuff is purely on an aesthetic level. Because his line is so gorgeous, right? Yeah, he does the the Wagner uh, cycle and everything. So there's story involved. But when I read a Pete Craig Russell book, I'm coming for the art. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, in a lot of cases, I think it's a, the the stories are subservient to that gorgeous line. Where this is just like I got a story to tell, and I'm not going to waste time worrying about the pressure I apply to this curve. I'm just drawing the line. And mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's it's shape. Uh, there, there's more. F- the function, huh. the form is as it is because it's necessary to tell the story. Whereas the the form, uh, the formal aspects of a pre Craig Russell story, that's almost the whole enchilada, I think, 
and I may be doing him a disservice, but mm-hmm. when you got a, a beautifully ornate sculpted style like that, I mean, every every man is Michelangelo's David, you know, every woman is right, Venus. Right. It's beautiful to look at, but I think for a lot of the stuff he's worked on, that's where it ends for me. Mm-hmm. Where this, the line is is workmanlike. It's there because there's a narrative that needs to be propelled. And I'm designing the panel. And whatever fills that panel, that shape, I'm going to put it down to get it done. And I, I hope I'm not yeah. doing her a disservice. But it doesn't, there's lot, not a flourish to the art. It's, well, what's interesting is, is she said in the interview with Harper about Clementine that she always starts with the art. Like he asked her as a writer artist, do you, do you start with the plot? Do you start with the about the story and then she said for her it's the art and that generally speaking whatever outline she has for a story or a plot goes out the door once she gets to the drafting table nice. and draws and then she goes back in and, and works the dialogue and the narrative and, and then relies on on the help of some editing and some some fellow some editors to to make it a cohesive story but but the art is her driving force which is interesting but you don't know, make no mistake there's complexities to the art Oh, sure, yeah. But it's more along the lines of complex arrangement of shapes than it is with uh, chiseled, sculpted, um, very controlled line work. All the line work in this book, from what I can see just, you know, thumbing through the pages, the line weight is pretty constant in in every panel. Well, I I compared this, I just recently read... um, well, re- partially reread and then read uh, Jeffrey Brown, some Jeffrey Brown work. Yeah. Um, one of the the titans of the of the slice of life world, right, of comics, and and, and Jeffrey certainly is a more of a a simple cartoony style, not hyper detailed. But but Jeffrey's work, when I look at his work, I, I generally look at the illustrations as they're they're there to convey the narrative like he doesn't even attempt at least he didn't back with things like clumsy he doesn't even attempt to really use the fact that it's a drawn artwork to uh express ideas like he's just generally drawing people in situations talking about what's happening right like it's it's almost just there to service the the written narrative Right, like, okay, it's two people in a in a room having a conversation about breaking up. So I'm going to draw a man and a woman sitting in chairs in a room. Right, like it's not like he doesn't he doesn't use the fact that it's a drawn art form to enhance the experience. And, and again, this isn't shade on Jeffrey Brown. He's very good at what he does, but I, I just think that's his method. Whereas I think with Tilly or someone like Jeff Lemire when he's drawing his books, or Kent when he's drawing his own books, uh they're they very much although their their way that they may render characters or scenes may be um not hyper detailed they very much are excellent at using the page in uh thoughtful creative ways to add to the story right it's not just about what's happening that they're drawing it's about using the whether it be the framing or the sequencing or the sizing of the panels, it, it to convey what's happening in a, in a in a much more bountiful way 
than just talking heads, right? Like, this right. is not a talking heads book, even though it is 500 pages of, of, of a handful of people having intimate relationships with one another. I'm glad you mentioned Lemire and Kent because um, I think the marks both of those guys make are very self-conscious, right? They're, they're very emotional, um, whereas... I think Tilly's line is very unselfconscious. It's it's plain speak. It's matter of fact. It's it, it it's a contour that's defining a shape where Kent and Lemire go in. You can tell that they're dragging the fuck out of the brush, or they're right, di- right. they're digging into the the paper. There's none of that here. Like mm-hmm. and, and Jeffrey Brown too. There's a tremolo, like a a, a twitchiness. I don't, to, I don't to, know what that word means. Tremolo. A, a twitchiness. To a vibration to to um, Jeffrey Brown's line that's very self conscious. It's almost like, holy crap, I'm on stage and it's terrifying. That that I, that that's the quality of his line. Like it, it, that's it, what his comics are about, basically. Right? So no, it, it's very aware. <laughs> it's very self aware. Right. The the Walden Walden's line. It's not self aware at all. It's it's a constant thick uh, uh, a constant width that's just. Mar- marking out these shapes that mm-hmm. she's she so beautifully designed, and then I, I love it when she uses color without line. That's great. Like that is very very uh, uh, confident approach to to making the to to masking out these shapes and and um, but yeah, I think um, Lemire and Kent would be the antithesis mm-hmm. to Walden. Uh, both great what they do, but they're very concerned with the quality of their 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 presentation the marks and the lines and i'm not saying that walden isn't but i think she's more concerned with with um defining what's in the panel right. not not how it's defined just she's w- such an old soul again talking about breaking breaking trope given her age and her generation she hates digital art Yes, the computer. Excellent. She said her goal in life is to be wealthy enough that she doesn't ever have to use a computer again. Oh, um, that's beautiful. I'm gonna. She weep. works all traditionally. She did color this book digitally, and she has done some coloring oh. work digitally. But she said it's always a means to an end, and and that she very much prefers paper and pens and pencils and ink and uh and and it's very much a big part of the creative process for her so. yeah nobody wants to pop down to dick blick and buy a tube of cadmium red for 20 bucks you know what i mean <laughs> my it, dad does my well, dad does I, for that i know but but <laughs> i think digital coloring is a necessary evil right. it's fast it's easy it's mess free uh and it's very inexpensive uh, what more do you want? I was obsessed as a kid with with the different colors of paint because my dad had hundreds of different. Well, has still, but when I, I just was so fascinated that he had, you know, twenty different shades of brown and right twenty different shades of blue, and I used to quiz him like, "Well, why, why cadmium here?" And he he'd say, "Well, if you look at the iridescence on the feathers of the drake," you know, and I'm like, "Ah," oh. and it was just fascinating that the color theory of of trying to render. And, and for those that don't know what I'm talking about, my dad is an artist. He he makes. Uh, Lifelike decoys of, of 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 ducks mostly, but 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 of wildlife and uh, and paints them uh, lifelike as well. And and so he's he's very much a, a self-taught, but he's very much an expert in 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 rendering realistic color theory. Um, 
Right. I don't, I don't know his his thoughts or abilities on abstract color work, but but I've never seen him do that. But but uh, I just yeah, that's definitely something I've always been fascinated by color because of, of the hidden. There was a ridiculous expense attached to uh, to art school when I went. Um, you know, especially if you had an oil painting class, like get out of here. The the paint was expensive. The 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 linseed oil and all that other stuff, and the canvases and the brushes were expensive. Um, they, I, I, I don't demand my students, in most cases, I don't demand they work physically because it's just too freaking expensive. Um, mm. You you can get, with, with the apps now, you can get the same, uh, you can approximate the, a traditional painting uh, very easily and inexpensively. So I don't require they do any anything, um, most things, real. And uh, look at this. Would this have been better? Or or worse, if if the color art was traditional paint, no, it's she does. I don't. She doesn't think that way. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, but, so I mean, the, uh, we went into it, um, and I mentioned something. Um, there's a, a, a component to this book that is extremely foolhardy and irrational, and I think the decision, the group decision to go back to get grace was ridiculously irrational but <laughs> but but um i i understand why they did it because mia was a friend uh not only a friend she was family at that point they all loved her she loved them so you do irrational and foolhardy things for the people you love i completely understand but if you take a clinical detached view of that whole incident they easily could have died all of them of course yeah Yeah, but they didn't that wasn't really a concern came close well yeah um it's just like we're gonna go into this very hostile environment l knows the way around he'll get it like they had a plan going in and the plan got scuppered almost immediately yeah and um, a couple of them were put in, well, more than a couple were put in situations where they could have lost their lives. Right. And, and, and to they, set that up, go ahead. They, they just did it because we got it. It's family. Of course we're here for you. We'll do it. And yeah. I'm like, wow, that is, that's some powerful stuff. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so from a narrative perspective, Mia meets Grace freshman year. They fall in love. It's her best friend and her lover. Um, we get a little bit of a flashback, though, where Grace is from the staircase, this crazy land. Her family were the founders and thus owners of this uh, this, this pocket of space. Uh, and she is the first to, she's the first member of the Hill family, the, the I guess, the, the ruling class of this area, to leave the planet. Um, they let her go to go to the school. Um, but She's there for, what, not even a full school year, and she gets a word that she has to leave and go back to the staircase because of some things that have gone on. It's become politically destabilized, and the conditions are such that they're not sure that if she doesn't come back to the staircase then and now, uh, she may never be able to come back. And uh, so she she goes to leave, and then that upsets her, but she agrees to do it. Uh, Her sisters come for her. And uh, as you alluded, I mean, Mia's just crestfallen over this because it's her love. And 
uh, and she doesn't get a proper goodbye um, because of a bully who locks her in a room and uh, you know we've all been there right like why well, I don't know if we've been there specifically but we've all seen this kind of behavior before of this high school bullies or in this case the cool girls the mean girls um, and Mia spends a good chunk of the next five years saying playing that what if game yep. that I think that is 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 one of the things I think Tilly does a great job of is that um, I mean she very much makes most of her comics are queer comics by design because she's a queer woman but I think that she plays in in themes that are powerful and universal right we've I, I may not be a queer high school girl but we all have we all can pull up back onto those strings of that first love that maybe got away or the what ifs or the or the lost loves right that that is that is a near universal uh experience at, a, at an emotional level we all can relate to that uh the the path not taken right the road not traveled and that really is how the two a and the b plots combine because uh now we're in the this this world where she's traveling around in this construction crew and and of course at first she's the odd woman out and and they side eye her and, and and they're somewhat distrustful of her and then like you said she 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 nearly gets killed because of a mistake she makes early on in her time with them and it gets them in a heap of trouble where they're not sure what they should do the captain wants to report it to her higher ups but uh the captain's wife doesn't want her to because for fear that it might get her uh, fired or suspended or in a lot of trouble and um wants to cover it up and 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 mia doesn't get off on the best foot with this crew but uh but they give her another chance and that in it because of her mistake there they reassign her to working with l who then which leads to mia and l becoming very close and 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 before you know it mia is forming these very powerful bonds on an individual basis finding common ground with Jules and L and 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 uh, you know and, and Ash and I mean Alma and Char um, and and it's like you said Vince they become a family dysfunctional sure crazy sure but they do become a family um, and and then all the while she and Grace have had no no interaction uh, for, for all she knows Grace is dead or gone or whatever but but she she's never given up on the idea of of um, of finding grace for closure uh, for, for, for that purpose. And like you said, ultimately they, because things do go wrong and because, uh, because Alma gets in trouble for the incident and uh, things start going awry, they kind of say, fuck it. And they agree to go on this grand adventure where they return to, they all go to the staircase such that uh, Mia can find grace and uh, it's pretty. It gets pretty chaotic, and and there's a, an interesting tone shift in the book, because for a good chunk of a 500 page book, it is a very calm, uh, introspective, uh, almost not slow, but but methodical uh, journey through moments of Mia's life. Uh, where 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 Tilly lets lets the moments breathe, and then we get to this climax where 
they attempt to get to the staircase, get there, and then go looking for Grace, and it gets extremely chaotic, extremely dangerous. Um, and it was a real shift, a tonal shift. And I, I, I don't know... It felt a little off to me, like, the first time I read it. Like, it felt noticeably different in its tone. Um, and maybe it has as much to do with what you were saying, Vince, of it's a pretty illogical thing for them all to agree to have done this in the first place. But but it then all kind of settles back down and starts to make sense once we get through the chaos and get to the point when Mia does meet back up with Grace and their interactions. And I just love that Grace is just... There's no bigger critic of the jester than Grace. Grace is just gobsmacked at how dumb they are for coming to the staircase. Yeah, it's like, what? To, like, you came here for what? Like, we, have, we haven't seen each other for five years. We haven't had any communication in five years. Why, why would you... Like, why would you come here? Why would you care about me so much that you'd come here for that? But what like, does Mia not... say? I just wanted to make sure you're okay. Right, which is just uh, it's, an it, absolute it, gut punch, right? Yeah, it's not, I want you back, or I want right. to continue where we were. I just wanted to make sure you were okay. That's it. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, there, there are a number of incidents in this book where Walden just rips your damn heart out, throws it on the floor, and steps on it. Like the... The, the moment where Grace and the sisters are, are, Mia gets to the room and they're gone and she's just looking out the window. Yeah. Like it's just, how more can you mangle my emotions? Stop it. Uh, but yeah. don't, but don't stop it. Um, and or then, at the end when, when they, when Elle is, when, when uh, they're, they're trying to get, um, when they jump back on the ship and they fly away and leave, leave Mia Right. There. Yeah, I I didn't think they'd leave her there. You never bought it for a second. Uh, there was a moment where I was like, "Holy shit, this is a downbeat ending!" But because um, <laughs> there, there's not a whole lot of pages after that. Right. Um, and but yeah, uh, it's it, you know, it's been out for a while, so we we can spoil it, I guess. Um, the the ship turns around and goes back. But and and what happens? Grace decides to come with them. So it's it's a, it's a neat little perfect ending. Um, it does have a it does have a happy ending, which I like. That you said early on in this chat that that one of the things that's amazing about this book is that it it defies convention, and yet if we're ever fortunate enough to meet Tilly or get a chance to chat with her, uh, I I would love to ask her the fact that for a book that does defy convention so masterfully and I think intentionally throughout the book. We get a extremely conventional and satisfying and happy ending, right? Like everybody's healthy, happy together. Right. Yeah. Uh, Alma and Char are retiring to live their best life, and Mia is the new Han Solo captain in charge of this new group of misfits with Grace by her side. Which it's beautiful and it makes you smile, but that is very much a conventional storytelling trope, right? The happy ending. But I want to know. Why Jules had a rapport with the Tessian Fox when no one else before her ever did? Like, what is it? What was it about Jules that connected her to this ancient creature on this faraway sector of space? Like, why? 
was she allowed to survive? Where other, like, the only reason why she almost didn't survive was because of the environment in which this Tessian fox was in. The fox didn't do anything or take action against her, unlike right. Sid, which was why Elle got in hot water to begin with. Right. But so but that's one of the things I, I would love to know that, but it's not, again, it's not spelled out for you. So yeah, yeah. could that's, she that's... have been so empathetic uh, to, to beings in general? Cause she's a very, she's an empath. Like she feels things and, and, and gloms on to people and, and she's emotional, but that, I need more than that. Like, you know, people are, a lot of people are, are empathetic. Why, her why was she not destroyed by this thing i don't know but anyway uh one of the things i had a kind of giggle as i was reading it i don't want to say convenient connections because that implies laziness on the part of the writer but there's a lot of associations in this book that let's just say lubricate the story it's just like oh this is neat l's from the same place that grace is and Elle's on the ship with Mia. And Mia, at the end of her Cleary tenure, was offered the job just because the, the, the headmaster or whoever that was knew Char. Like, do you know what I mean? The, 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 it seems like maybe it's Small a common... May, maybe universe. Right. Maybe it's a commentary that uh, all beings are interconnected in some way. But it... The, it's just like there there were a, a lot of doors that opened in the narrative because of the associations of characters which were put in those associations for said narrative, I think. And I, I, that's not a detriment. I'm not nitpicking. I'm, I was just was like, oh, of course, the, the headmaster knew Char, you know, and it's, it's kind of funny. But she's driving the bus, so who am I to question it? But it, it's I, I thought it was like, oh, that's that's neat. <laughs> of course, of course they're connected. There also seems to be a commentary on, uh, I don't want to say anger because it's more than that, hate and aggression in this book. Because in the instances where characters do cross the line in, or could cross the line to hate or to be aggressive because of their hate, they don't do it. Like Mia had every opportunity to to punch Christine in the face when she, but she didn't. She be, she became her friend. And, and I mean, she did she, she she did punch her in the face at one point because she stole the necklace. But yeah, oh, right. There but were, yeah, but I, that's just. I mean, she was professing her love. She was. I mean, there, there were a lot. That was a logical progression. I was I, that 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 made sense to me. I didn't. Um, it's if you want to say there was any disappointment in anybody's actions, but it it was that's that's what you would have expected to see in any story. So right. uh, it yeah. worked there, but yeah, I mean, it's amazing. But she progressed that, you know, past the, it. The person who right, the person who kept her from saying goodbye to her girlfriend, she hugs because she Christine does open the door. Right. So 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 Mia hugs her, and then you know yeah, while but before she leaves school, they end up becoming friends and everything. Right. And it's, it, she holds, you know, she's. She, she's not a price. She definitely lets things go. She's absolutely fine with you know that that these are all life experiences. These are all part of what make people people, and 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 you learn and grow from this. And she doesn't um, 
doesn't hold any grudges. And and it's like, you know, if, if you know, yeah, you were stupid and she'll let you know, but we can move past this and, and, and we can be better from it. But. Right. That's what I'm saying. Progress past the, yeah. the, the, because I mean, let's be honest. When she came out of that room, Grace could have been gone forever. Yeah. It's a big galaxy. Uh, she could have For never, sure. never have found her. Um, most people would have curb stomped. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, you, that's an un, like an unpardonable sin. Yeah, you didn't know, for the most part, what was going on, but you still were the one that trapped me in that room. Yeah. So, I mean, emotions like hate is is a, is an easy emotion. It's too easy, really. Uh, yeah, that and, that hug that hug page just right floors me. I, I yeah, I was. Like you guys are saying, I mean, again, I, I, I don't know that I have a direct analog to that experience, but we all had moments in adolescence where we had a antagonist, right? And and I I just was like, man, I, I can't fathom having the depth of emotional right? <laughs> like maturity at that age in that moment to to hug her. I don't like I just got like, man, like like I just kept thinking, Tilly, you are a much better human being than I am. Yeah. Be, oh, right? yeah. Yeah. To create, right. someone, yeah. It's, create it's, someone like Mia and and have me do. But it's, but but Mia gave it to her also because it's like you know she, she told Christine she's like you don't have to be like this. I don't know what the hell happened in your life. Right. Right. That made you such a bitch. You can choose to be nice. And she's like, you don't have to talk to me like that. You freak. And then she storms away. And then eventually, obviously, Christina thinks about it and and realizes that you know she's in the wrong here and tries to make amends but and and you have to stop and hug and then run after your your the love of your life that's just that's well it's disarming because generally in these in in any time you see a story about a bully you hear it's it's this idea of like oh you gotta you gotta get a fight back bully him yes yes and they'll cower but in this she gave her love and understanding and empathy which is just but it ties into no but it's so far from the way that i think most of us handle those situations in real life. Well, it's decidedly right? non-male. It's definitely not a male approach. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, right. I think if it, 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 getting back again to the themes of this book, I mean, Tilly's work is unapologetically feminine. Sure. Yeah. And it's beautiful in, in it. But I think you you can't read her work and not come away with understanding that. And I think it's probably one of the things that draws me to it is that it is a wonderfully executed way of seeing how women or at least a woman in this case approaches the world. And it is so different than a lot of the male dominated storytelling that we sure. have been raised on uh, and much of which we love. But I mean, it's just, it is, it is very easy to see the, the, the differences. Right. It's like that, that passage that they use at a lot of weddings. Love is blah and love is blah. You uh-huh. know? It, it's a very earth mother, nurturing compassionate approach to storytelling right that um and and it but it ties into jules's speech in the middle of the book it's the same concept and you guys said it you know do is do unto others david said it right that's that's all she's saying just mm-hmm. meet, meet us on an even keel and understand um yeah, um, it, it just reminded me of, you know, you see those um, 
horrible, horrible trials of, of people that have killed um, multiple uh, people. And, and then you see the at, at post-sentencing, you, you have an interview with the family and they're just like, we forgive them. And I was, that is like the most alien concept to me. Right. But, but this is along the same lines where um, Christine transgressed, not on the level of a murderer, but pretty close, right? Um, and she just, she just noticed that there was something th- that they needed uh, or or maybe compassion and she just gave it to her and then she ran after grace like t- totally anathema to my way of thinking or i'm just yeah. i'm just, uh, like like i'm guessing the male way of thinking uh, traditionally male i'm not saying every male thinks this way but traditionally hate rage aggression that's a masculine trait um and and it's just unlike the type of story in this book (sighs) i am not gonna let us get out of this episode without circling back to something you said on our slack in that uh and i'm paraphrasing but but you you mentioned that you were um pondering why Tilly's work seems to pull you in when generally speaking if you were to if this book were to be described to you it would be the kind of thing that you would likely make fun of me for reading and and then saying something like this that kind of thing isn't for me I think I found uh, well I, I didn't find it I think I may have decided why I um relinquished my self-inflicted barrier or Uh barriers um she has a very she generates trust very easily like a lot of um, the majority of the book was like me being talked to by someone that i implicitly trusted like there was no doubt in my mind that what they were telling me or showing me was true mm. where in the work of of others there's a phase where you you know you got to get the lay of the land and 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 the voice and the approach and uh, I, you know again it all comes I, i'm a very guarded person right emotionally because of the fact that when i open that door it's not pretty Right. So I, I throw up walls and I try and uh, sequester myself away from feeling. And most I don't like um, inter- interactions that are that are um, uh, I don't like confrontation. I just don't. Right. That's how I am because of the fact that I get I get too emotional. I'm Sicilian. Come on. I it's just it, it's like a, a pot boiling over when, when I get in that mindset. But when when I was reading this, it just seemed like I had the utmost confidence in in the the storyteller that what they were showing me and what they were telling me and was the absolute truth. If that makes any kind of sense, I didn't question for a moment what was going on. I didn't uh, the first read through. I didn't look for the formal aspects of it or how she was telling the story. Uh, uh, I just, 
opened the doors and it was just like wow this is some powerful shit when i it just it it, it made me drop my guard and i still don't understand it completely why i trusted her but she just has an approach that i take as there's a legitimacy to her storytelling techniques that i don't even want to call them techniques i let go and i was all the better for it i just let her take me wherever she wanted and i i felt things and and uh, she triggered things not outside of the story like i was like i didn't think oh when i was a kid i had a similar experience like no none of that it was entirely self-contained the the magic she was weaving just enveloped me and i just relinquished everything and because i trusted her that's it there's no you know mm -hmm. i don't think it's a convoluted explanation it's just I, I just trusted her to 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 guide me through this yeah, and fact. and that what she was telling me was the absolute truth mm -hmm. i mean dap this is certainly a um genre or 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 you're, you're more, much more comfortable with these kinds of stories generally um so i mean how does this rate for you in terms of 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 you know the coming of age comics that we've all read or that you've read the, this is it's I've, i was trying to figure out ways to to express this to stay this um without i I absolutely love the story, no doubt about it. It's a beautiful book. I, I, I think it's something that, you know, when we talk about these books that everybody should read, yes, this is on that list. When I see who's been affected by this story um, and the reasons why, and it's completely understandable, and I don't, and I, I think part of it is, is what, causes Vince to say I feel or something like that but it, it's the events that happen in this book I can understand why people would react to them the way they do I think partly because of what I've been familiar with what's been in my life the people who've been in my life my family members there are things that happen in this book or there are or, or or analogs or, or, or their situations that aren't necessarily new to me or unexpected. And and I think because of that, and maybe because of the age I am when I read it, there are I, none of nothing about this book got a shrug from me, but as I'm reading it, I'm like, no, I okay, why wouldn't this person react this way? Or I, I understand why these characters so it's 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 impossible for me to explain it, but it is, it's, it's, I'm with everybody who absolutely loves this book and, 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 and why it hit them the way it hit them. But it, and I'm not saying it fell flat for me, but it didn't hit me at that level. Like only because of who's been important in my life that I kind of just, I get it. And, and, and there are things I think that happen in this book that people who, haven't experienced that or have been aware of certain things. It took this book for them to get it, but I was already 
I already understood some of the things that were going on. So it, it, it just, it, it didn't hit me the way it has hit all my friends. And, and that doesn't mean it doesn't affect me at all. It really does, but it is, it's, it's an absolutely fantastic piece of work. And, and, um, I don't, I, I don't want to give it the short shrift at all, but it, it, it was, as I'm reading it and, and getting through certain chapters, it, it did some of it just like was, yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I get it. it. It's, it's unfortunate that there are that, that world we live in that so many people aren't, um, or haven't been empathetic to, to people like the characters in this book. Um, I guess I've been lucky in that regard, but it's still something that I, I, it's still powerful. It's still a story. These are still things that I think people should be aware of, and and I I, I support it in that regard 100. percent But it it's absolutely it's it's fantastic. I, I I absolutely love it. This isn't isn't a shortcoming uh, directed at you or or a perception of a shortcoming that I think you may have. What I'm saying is you have a tendency to go beyond the narrative to step out of it. Right, like you just said, there are people in yeah. your life that I'm, I'm not saying it's a disservice to the work, sure. but to uh, to enter this world without any preconceptions. I mean, how can you how can you do that? How could you take your life experience and say I'm a blank all that out and just go into this narrative and just take it all? fresh all new no associate like i'm not going to make any associations between the events of this and stuff that happened before that's very hard to do i think it's almost impossible to do right 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 but um i mean i have one i have a shred of experience with the concepts and in this book and my child mia right Mm -hmm. who does identify as non-binary and it's it's been hard right I I I tried to not think about that going in, but I have I have a facility with burying shit, right? That's my baggage. I I I don't think about things, and I won't think about things. But mm-hmm. I, I I understand that everybody can't do that. Where I so that the the fact that this affected me as much as it did was solely based on what was in between the front and back covers. Like I right. didn't I didn't draw lines to any life experiences. I just again, she was I just opened myself up to what she was putting down. And it's a very very hard thing to do. I'm not saying you're wrong because you you do that. That's wh- how we work. Right, you hear a right. song. What does it do? It triggers a memory, or right. you know, you, you see a movie, and it's like, wow, this made me think about when I was, in, you know, this person in my life or in this situation. But I was, I was adamant that I was going to go into this with nothing, and that's why I find it even more a, a monumental achievement that I was not only able to do that, but that I just gave it up for someone i don't even know mm-hmm. right so that's the, the i don't think that the the magnitude of of what 
Walden achieved with this book should be understated because it speaks no, it speaks to the brain dead like me right it, sp- <laughs> it speaks to the numb and, and the the detached and uh, that's how the hell do you pull that off mm-hmm. how do you do it right and, and again I love you so much I'm not saying that your approach is wrong <laughs> I didn't, no, no I really didn't. that works for you and that's the if that's the way you you enjoy, like enjoy consuming art and creation, then that's your way. Again, don't tell me what's right for me, right? Don't tell. I'm not telling you what's right for you. Thank you, Jules. But yeah, it's just it's stunning. But I know yeah, I, I I absolutely get where you're coming from 100. percent If I could remove myself, I and 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 go in. With fresh eyes, I'm sure I would right. have followed the crowd and, and, and have felt exactly the same. I just, it's, and I don't, I'd have to, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's no flying fish in my world. I, I, <laughs> there's uh, some aspects yeah, of it, obviously, one. that, but it's, I, I don't, I don't know what I could read right now that um, I kind of, I guess, wouldn't infuse something I'm, I'm that I could associate it with it, it. It's, but yeah, there are, I mean, yeah, I would love to be able to just distance myself from, from just live in a bubble and or a Faraday cage and just, you know, block out everything else and right. just it's live a, in this book. Yeah. It's a self-inflicted numbness and it's, it's not, it's not a boon. It's definitely not an asset. Let me tell you, but yeah, but it but when it hits, it it hits. I mean, it, right? It's, it's a perfect I, storm. That's what it was. Yeah, and yeah. I'm glad. I'm, I'm I'm glad this was the book. This was the creator that 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 did that for you in in this instance. It's right. it's very yeah, jaded, I, very jaded. Um, and and uh, maybe I, that's I, so yeah, you're you're a cynical dude, and and I prejudge. Yeah, oh, it's terrible with music. Oh man, I hear a song, and <laughs> I've, well, I've heard I've heard this this I've heard this approach. A million times before you're not showing me anything new right what's uh dap what's i can't remember what's the name of of, of homegirl that uh you, you back our patreon we just talked about oh homegirl. um yeah uh xl noir Axel. yeah yeah XL noir. yeah like i mean i think so it's like to your point i mean it's interesting to me you are so you are touched enough by her work that you became a patron yeah, and uh, you know your your wallet's got uh, got got biometric locks on it, so that's saying. <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's a fat wallet. Make no mistake. Oh, so. it is, but it's, yeah. it's a fat because it, he never pulls anything out of it. Um, <laughs> and you you became a patron of this of this creator, and 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 I I think uh, there are certainly some surface level similarities between yes. her yeah. approach to comics and. Tilly's. I would argue, and again, I'm not casting shade on Lenoir. I think her comments are delightful. Uh, Tilly's got a, 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 you know, a, a depth to her storytelling, for sure, a, a complexity that 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 uh, Lenoir doesn't have. But but but, and maybe not trying to have either. But um, but to your point, I mean, but art is art. I mean, that spoke to you enough that not only did you rave about it, but you 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 back her right. You back her work on a monthly basis. That, that we, so. Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I think the thing for me is that, uh, and I know Vince made a very salient point about saying, who cares about our age? I, I guess the older I get and having kids, and you do too, Vince, having kids at that age, I I am impressed by the age thing. I'm not going to lie. Like, the fact that she made spinning and this before most people are 
getting drunk at college is is stunning to me because I I do generally believe in my heart of hearts that very few people peak at eighteen. <laughs> I don't, you know, I I I just don't. I think I think whatever. Yeah, I think I would hope most people have have far greater things ahead. Um, yeah, but they're going to be. Mm-hmm. I I think my favorite thing is monsters is a good uh, analog uh, analogous work. Right, just to to squash the whole sure. a- ages thing. Do you say, mm-hmm. "Ooh, geez, Emil Ferris, wow, she was old when she made that." Like, what took her so long? But that's that's not that that's not the correct. I, I don't think that's a just. That's res- a fair. That's a totally fair counterpoint. Cause yeah, I, I, I don't think it's Emil's a just. And, and right, I, it was her first comic. I, it's a totally fair counterpoint. I uh, maybe I shouldn't give it, but it does affect my. I guess when I rave about Tilly. I, I guess the question I need to ask myself is: If Tilly was a forty-year-old woman, would I feel strongly about the work? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I'd like to say yes, but I don't know that I can say yes because I certainly have not. I have, sir, I have absolutely allowed her youth to play into what I think she, her, 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 her skill level is. I, I, I'm, right. I'm, I, maybe I shouldn't judge on a curve, but I'm like, man, I'm like, if if she's if she's putting out this kind of comics at eighteen, nineteen, twenty, what what are we get? What what is she capable of by the time her career is over? Exactly. I think it's a it's a matter of perspective. Yeah. You at this point in your life look back or or look at her at her point in her life, and you're like, wow, the she's young and yet she's managed to create these two, three, whatever, four masterful works. Mm-hmm. Were I in the same position at her age, there's no way I could do this. But it's because you are forty some years old, and she's in her twenties. Right. So, so it's the it's all about the vantage point, right? She's looking at you, thinking, "Why didn't you do it?" Right. Yeah. No. For sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, there were definitely moments I, there. Yeah, there was obviously yeah the 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 moment with Christine with the hug the um. Uh, Jules's speech, but I absolutely I I, I felt my face um, <laughs> tighten up. Yeah, I know, I know what I said. Uh, it, it, the, the, when um, when when Mia does see Grace and and um, and says that you know I I I tried to get to you in time. You, you have to believe me, and I did make it to you. Um, you know, it just it it just took five years, and and and, and in a part. But then, yeah, then then you do see um, Grace show up, and uh, and they're just like, uh, you, me is surprised to see her there. And she says, I, I, I couldn't make a decision r- r- right then and there, right away. I, I, I had to think and talk to Jane. And he's like, so you want to come with us? And Grace is like, I want to try. You came all this way, and well, let's not leave each other anymore, okay? And that that hit me in the gut. Yeah, I was like, "That's that 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 little pain." I was like, "Son of a bitch!" That's yeah. But you got to give it. It's just yeah. You got to give it up for Grace. Um, It's very, it's a very inhuman trait to have the thing that means the most to you, and the ability to to have it right there and be like, "Wait a minute, I got to think about this." Just stop and think like how how different would our lives be all of us if we just took a moment and thought about 
like like do the permutations how is this going to work out like in, in every instance or, or or however she approached it just just stop and consider make a consideration on how is this decision going to affect your life or not like that's great that that is something that we as human beings just really don't do in a lot of situations it, it if someone that i've been pining for was there in front of me after five years i'd be like Ugh, i'd be like a dog humping her leg <laughs> right but that's i wouldn't think about it i'd be just like instant gratification that wasn't what grace was about in that situation she was about i need to consider this and that is just i don't mean to say inhuman but that's a, a very uncharacteristically um wise thing to do when when offered your heart's desire right there it's crazy that's it, it's it's such a mature and and learned and informed moment that uh, yeah it's it's just brilliant mm-hmm. yeah i almost traipsed into the age aspect yeah well no i mean come on i am human but Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. we we throw that masterpiece word around, so I'm not going to use that word. But this is a, a a monumental piece of work. Yeah, no, I mean, I I I agree with the first part of your statement, which is we say things like masterpiece a lot, probably too much. But I think in this case, it is worthy of that appellation. I I I think this is. An incredible achievement, and um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if twenty years from now this is still the book that is the answer to the rubric of "Hey, uh, I've heard a lot about Tilly Walden. Where should I get started?" I mm. think the answer will be on a sunbeam. I do believe that. So. Right, I don't. I can know. confidently say if you don't like on a sunbeam, like if you if you do the those of you listening, if you did the book of the month and you played along and this wasn't your thing, uh, then yeah, I don't think are you listening and on and spinning. I, I don't think they're going to grab you. I, I, I don't. I, I think this is this is this is a very very representative of her her artistry. So if this to, is your boat. Then, then to your point, though. To your point. Um, I'm at a a loss as to who exactly on the Slack said it, but one of our beautiful family members said, you know what? Screw Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns as the gateway drug into comics. You give someone those books and they're going to be just like a person who hasn't read comics. You give them Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns they'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think On a Sunbeam is the book to give people that aren't informed on the magic of comics. If you give them that, there's there's no heavy lifting, there's no prior knowledge necessary. It's all self-contained and it's a work that will speak to thinking, feeling human organisms. Like you have to be completely dead not to resonate on some level with this book. I mean, I I I I, I definitely agree with the spirit of what you're saying. I mean, I will say that one of the great things about comics, and I think Hopefully, one of the things we've done well over the baffling amount of hours and years we've done the show Lots. is that is we've tried to illustrate that 
there are lots of, there are lots of ways in, man. Like like there is not one way in. Yes, a good chunk of the best selling comics and the, the type of comics that we've probably read more of than anything else have a certain vibe to them for sure and certain tropes. But 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 man, there's a million other things that are being done in the medium that can get you in. Uh, and I, I this is another path, right? It is. This is the path for everybody. This isn't. I mean, I, I could definitely see this not being the path for a lot of people, and that's fine too. I, I, I don't. Um, you know, interestingly enough, Tilly got interested in comics because of Tezuka, because of Buddha, of all things. She, she, her dad had a copy of Buddha, and she read it, and she just thought it was delightful in how it played against humor and being super silly and then super serious, and how it had. And she loved how Tezuka would draw these really lighthearted characters with that were super cartoony and super exaggerated, but then juxtapose it with these incredibly hyper-detailed drawings of, of buildings or backgrounds that looked like they were rendered by architects. And um, she just had never seen anything like it, and it, it stuck with her. And, and, and her comics don't look like Tezuka, but, but, but that was her gateway. So, like, I just think... There are lots of gateways, man. I, I think the important thing is to just keep out, go out, get everybody out there listening, and I know most of them do. Like, make sure you just like comics are not. There's not a convention to comics. I mean, they're, they're, they, it is an art form that there any there is a comic out there for anyone to enjoy. I genuinely believe that. Can't convince my wife of that, but 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 I do believe that if someone's open minded to like, at least experience. If someone knows them well enough, you can find a comic book that, or a, or a quote unquote graphic novel that will appeal to them. But I, I think, in in regard to Tezuka, the uh, the Chewy center to most of his works is love. Mm-hmm. And I think Walden is pretty uh, much the same. Mm-hmm. Like you dump all the sci-fi trappings of this. It's based. It's a love story, right? Right. Uh, Nausicaa is 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 an embrace of nature. Love nature, sure. right? Sure. It, there's there's a heartbeat that's very similar to 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 the work of of what I've read of Walden and Tezuka, and and so I mean, I think appealing to to um, someone's humanity is far better than um, a story about a bunch of character analogs running around uh like i'm not saying watchman's bad by any means but to the uninitiated i think a story about love would mean more to them than who killed the comedian and why right and I, yes Watchmen's yeah and i know you're not trying to make this a treatise on watchman but no i'm not i think Watchmen is the greatest of all time to me because but but it but i say that because i it is that way because of the fact that it was written for people that had read a shit ton of conventional superhero comics. Exactly, right. Thus could see why this was so different and so more complex and so more, so much more satirical than all the things that they read for years, if not decades, uh, unassumingly as just their standard form of entertainment. So I'm with you. Like, like Watchmen absent the history of reading lots of superhero comics is not the same experience. Right uh, now, I sure. think I think yeah. Mouse is on the same level as on a Sunbeam, where there's there's real emotional ramifications to the events of the book, sure. Sure. With, uh, emotional um, crescendos that 
everyone can understand. Mm-hmm. Dark Knight Returns, there's it's a freaking masterpiece, but it's it's basically a rich boy, you know, doing trying to to erase the death of his parents. Like, I, well, you bring up a good point in that Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen share that, right? Whereas yeah. that, what would if like that's that's an interesting question. I wonder if any of our listeners. Like, if you'd never read a single Batman comic, would Dark Knight Returns mean as much to you? No. I I mean, I think not, right? But, like, I'm curious. I mean, there probably are people out there. I mean, I know that I have people in my life that have read things like Watchmen but are not comic book fans. Yeah, I mean, you can appreciate the story. You can can absolutely, you know, be a fan of of the, the... the art form and, and, and the work done in it. But I mean, to get, to get I don't even call them nuances, but I mean, you know, the conversation between Gordon and Bruce, where he's like, you know, yeah, all those years you were drinking ginger ale. And it's like, you know, you, you get the right. wink, wink, uh, that, that, that Jim do. And it's, it, it, there are little things where yet yeah, it just, the relationship between Bruce and Selena, yep, yep. the, the, the whole thing with, with Joker and, you know, him actually not being crazy and seeing Dr. Ruth, there, there are little things that just build on your history with the character and what you've read and, and, and how long he's been around. Yeah. You can, you can watch the story and be like, "Yeah, that's cool," but it, it, but it's, it means so much more. You will get a lot more out of it if you read some of the stories from when he was right. a little younger in his prime. Uh, I think, but you'd also understand who who the rest of the characters are too. Yeah, I think Born Again is the exception because while it, while it yeah, while no. it is grounded in in superheroics, it's a but crisis no, of faith. Yeah, that's, that's every, everything you need is in those. You can, I mean, I think that could uh, that would be a story that would appeal more strongly with someone who hasn't read comics because it's a universal theme: crisis of faith. We've all had it, right? Yeah. Whereas Dark Knight Returns requires a little bit, a modicum yeah. of experience with superhero comics. And obviously, and, and Watchmen does too. Even though these characters were created just for this story, there's still. A lot. No, I mean, 100%. Alan, Alan, you know, is obviously Alan's building on everything comics to make this story. Right. Hundred percent. No, I mean, I, I think, but in both cases, the 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 things that make them all time greats. Well, one of the things that makes those two works among the, if not the all time greatest comics, is is an assumption that you're quite familiar with comics mm-hmm. in, in their standard form. Right. Yeah. Well, that was valuable discussion, wasn't it? Right. I love that. Yep. Which uh, is prompting me to jettison the book that I was going to talk about this episode. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, I don't even. Yeah, I. I mean, I'm. I didn't. I didn't read. I. I had a couple of things lined up to read. So I, if we were going to do it in your travels, I could bring something to the table. But I mean, if if we've done it in the past, if we don't. Do it in your travels tonight. I'm fine with it. I really don't have anything to add, but it's well, entirely up to you guys. I'll tell you about something in the year in your travels, but let me just, I'll set it up for next episode just so I, I stay a little bit in character. The book I'm going to talk about next episode, here are some of the chapter titles. Okay. Horrific Hooters, Attack of the Titan Titties, Wrath of the Titan Titties. Oh boy. Big Boobs, Little Boobs, Sneaky Boobs. Sorry, Tilly. Yeah, so I mean, I'll talk about this book next time because I don't want to squander any 
good faith or goodwill I've managed to generate (laughs) this episode. So that's coming next time. But uh, as usual, uh, we would like to thank our patrons for making this happen. Patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. Go there, take a look around. If you like what you see, please um, join our family. And uh, I think we'll both benefit greatly from the experience. In your travels, uh, this book just came out today. It's uh, published by Oni Press, written by Christopher Sibela, illustrated by the great Hayden Sherman. It's a name we've been throwing around a lot lately. My God, you and the Hayden Sherman. I'm sorry. I love their work. It's a a good-looking book. Yes, uh, but uncharacteristically, Hayden did not color this book. Color art is... Yeah, and I... (laughs) Go ahead, I'm sorry. By Nick Filardi. And I think, I wonder if he's like just only on staff colors, because Filardi seems to color everything, almost everything Oni puts out. Mayhap. Kind of like the way... Seems like what's happening at home. <laughs> no, no, you're I, right. I'm hoping we get the end of this. I'm, I'm hoping that you know we we get a conclusion for this book because yeah, I am a little concerned. Honestly. Oh, it, it, but it's great though. Um, uh, regardless of the fact that Sherman did not color uh, his own work, uh, Filardi did. I think uh, a good job. Obviously, yeah. Sherman is used to coloring his own work, so the the problem solving. Um, is different the, the the graphic problem solving so um knowing that someone else would take over and add hues to your work is much different than knowing you're going to color it beforehand a lot of the creative decisions are different but it's not at a detriment for the work uh to the work uh, what this is is blink number one and jason it's comics meet found footage horror Yes. Yes. Um, the the gist is uh, there's a uh, a woman named Ren, Ren Booker, who is a journalist, and uh, a very traumatic event uh, in her past caused her to develop uh, amnesia. She lost her parents in a manner that she really can't say because the event was so traumatic that that whole chunk of her life is gone uh and so she's working through it by writing but she's prone to sleep paralysis and early in the book um she wakes up she can't move and and she frequently sees this thing she calls the cyclops that uh while it did have two eyes at one time it only has one now and it is talon creepy looking thing that 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 inches up to her as she's paralyzed and and she works through it like she'll wiggle she's developed procedures to get her out of the situation she'll wiggle her toes which progresses up the leg and you know some people deal with sleep paralysis in many ways and she's found a way to break the paralysis but so she's she's this this part of her past is gone and she's searching for it she wants to find those pieces that are missing uh, she's always on the hunt to the point where because she becomes obsessed with it. Um, she she has a significant other and the relationship is suffering because of all of the, the energy and the time she's putting into deciphering this missing piece of, of her life. So she's she's she encounters 
online this group of surveillance cameras and the uh, locations look they trigger something they look they look familiar on some level to her uh, so she joins up with an urban explorer and if there's one genre of YouTube video I love it's urban exploration but anyway um, the guy's name's Joel and they they, they they pinpoint the location and they go to the place and they're exploring and there's clues around that something uh, maybe cult-like went on here. And and Jason, there are things in the shadows. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. Why'd you read it? No. Uh, it, I thought as a first issue, I mean, there's not a whole lot of information given, justifiably so, because I think we're at the same point of, of loss as the main character. Like, we don't know. She doesn't know what's going on here. This is... What a hook, though, and you know I love the 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 Blair witches and the uh, the paranormal blah blah blahs. The found footage horror really clicks with me if it's edited right and it's creatively. And this was m- much along the same lines. The 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 found footage pastiche is all over this thing, and I thought it was great. So if you're looking for a a, a a great start to what I think will be a nice little horror mini. Check out Blink number one, Oni Press. It was, f- I don't want to say it was fun. Uh, it was scary, not yeah. terrifying. You're not going to get terrified from a comic book, but it was pretty scary in spots, which is hard to pull off with just, you know, tools and paper. There you go. There you go. Um, all I will say is in your travels, um, I, uh, finished the fifth issue of Bolero, um, which first issue blew me away and it got super trippy as the series went on. And I, I, I think deliberately so, uh, Wyatt Kennedy, uh, Luana Vecchio, uh, letters by Brandon Graham. But, um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to, reread this because I'm not sure if I may have missed a few things in some of Devin's hops um, because the concept was uh, you can leave the world you're in and go to another world that you exist although you may not exist the same way you do now so you you may be a man in another world you may be um, a cat in another world you know so it's it's just there are, and there are still the people in Devin's life that seem to always be around when she does these hops. But um, it's there's 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 something going on here. It's I like the art. I think the concept is pretty freaking neat. Um, I don't know if five issues was too much or not enough. To, 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 to tell the entire story or maybe I was just a little thick when I was uh, reading a couple of the issues but um, I know it's uh, pretty sure it's been collected or will be um, but yeah I think the creative team did a great job um, if, if you are into trippy sexy books um, with uh, quite a bit of cunning linguist then this is uh, this could be right up your alley but yeah in your travels uh, from image comics Bolero. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, well, 
I guess uh, I'll play the role of Dap tonight in your travels. I'm going to recommend a Superman book to y'all. Dun, dun, dun. Right? I know. It's crazy. Crazy. Uh, Superman Space Age number one, written by Mark Russell, with art by the All Reds, Michael and Laura. Um, I bought this book because, well, I'm a, I'm a fan of Mark Russell as a writer, but I, uh, it doesn't take much for me to jump into a all red drawn book. And, uh, I'm so glad I did. This is a, uh, three issue miniseries. It is a prestige format book, oversized, extra pages. So all in all, it's going to be about a six, like what would normally be like a six issue miniseries. Um, I believe the book. Yes, it was nine ninety nine. The book, just for the record. Um, but man, oh man, was it worth every penny? It was absolutely gorgeous, and uh, it's it is a bit of an alt. Well, I I I guess it's an alternate, like an Elseworlds, in the sense that I'm pretty sure it's. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it 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 doesn't play hard and fast with like the current DC continuity exactly, but. Uh, but the the premise of the cover is is basically sets the tone for the book is set in the, in the mid '80s, so like your Christopher Reeve era, and and you get the bald Lex Luthor and the Miss Tessmacher, and you and uh, you know you get that whole thing, that whole vibe. Um, but the, it basically is a, a it flashes back to a couple different times in uh, in history. You've got uh, it starts in 1985, but you you go back to the 60s when Clark was a youngster in uh, not a youngster but a high school kid in Smallville, and then you go back to the 40s when uh, when both uh, when when Mr. when Pa Kent was was fighting in the war, and um, this book hit it, man. It 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 definitely it. You might be saying to yourself, "Do I need another yeah. comic? Another comic that, that approaches uh, the Superman origin?" And 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 this isn't that. It really isn't. I mean, um, it it gives you insights into some origins of some of the other characters that you haven't seen before. Like, and, and again, it's a bit Elseworld, so it shows you Pa Kent fighting in the war and 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 shooting a twelve-year-old Japanese kid uh, and having to live with that guilt. Yeah. It shows you uh, Lois Lane being stuck on doing essentially um, a a gossip column, and uh, and and being completely dismissed out of hand um, as a pretty face without much talent. But she just so happens to be on assignment in Dallas on the day when JFK is assassinated, and so. Uh, you know, they, the, the the Daily Planet has no choice because all the flights are grounded, but to give her the shot at covering the story. And she, of course, crushes it because she's Lois Lane and wins Pulitzer and then goes on to greatness. And so it does these little fill in the blanks of, 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 of the history of how they got to where they are in the in the more conventional way we're introduced to them back in the day. Um, book, needless to say, it's already already drawn. It's absolutely gorgeous. And and. Um, and it, it, it sets in motion a, a pretty nifty uh, retake on the early DCU. We, we meet a Hal Jordan as a fighter pilot who narrowly averts uh, a nuclear war during the early Cold War. Um, we, see, uh, we see a incarnation of Bruce Wayne where he and Lex Luthor are competing for a big defense contract at the Pentagon. And... Luthor 
is bringing about his his idea is a bunch of technical nuclear weapons but bruce's pitch is a bunch of really awesome tech enabled uh battle suits that just so happen to look a little bit like batman um it's just a lot of fun man it's 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 just a blast i mean bibbo's in it that fucking bibbo oh bro he's my favorite Bibbo's a favorite. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Pariah uh, is in this. Oh my god. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Pariah's in it. It's 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 an anti-monitor. It's in a way a prequel to Crisis, although yeah. not in its purest sense. I mean, again, I'm not Pac sure this. Pocket looking a little like Paul Newman. I don't know. Pocket definitely already is definitely channeling the Paul Newman for sure. And Jorel in his old uh, green and uh, yellow sunburst. Absolutely, I dig yeah. it. Yeah, so I, I thought it was a blast, a uh, lot of fun. Uh, issue ends on a on a really cool scene. Um, artwork is stunner. So yeah, big fan of a uh, Superman Space Age. Nice. Dap and I were talking about this. Yeah, I. I uh, yeah. When, I was, when were you talking about this? Uh, waiting for you. Yeah. We, oh. We, oh. Okay. Did you guys not care for it? No, we have issues with the with the shield. With, with all his representation of Superman. Yeah, it's a little janky. Uh, the chest emblem. It's a little janky. Hilarious. That's yeah. superficial, I know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the but shield. Still, it, it, Come it's still, on. It's, it's all red drawing Superman, but still, it is the shield. But yeah, right. but it is. It, I mean, I mean, you wouldn't, I, I wouldn't expect all red to draw it like, I was telling Vince, I wouldn't expect all red to draw it like Wolverine the way we would have traditionally seen him from other mainstream artists. So I get it. It's it's an all red version. Well, Man, oh, man, this is Lois Hotford, which is not a nice change of pace. Oh, stop. Really? Well, every actress that plays Lois is beat. Well, oh, that's not true. That's entirely not true. But whatever. Well, the one that played uh, in the was it Kristen Crow? Kate Bosworth. The there was oh, yeah. oh, oh on Smallville. Smallville was was uh, well. Kristen no, she Crook, played right? Lana. No, no, that was Erica Durant's played her on Smallville. Oh, um, she's attractive. Margot yeah, Kidder was yeah. attractive. No, yeah. she was not. No, no she at the time, at, 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 at no, time. she was not. She she was <laughs> oh absolutely. She was one bad night. I mean, she was. She looked like she was a heroin addict. I mean, she she was grossly anorexic in that film. We're, we're gonna Margot go. Kidder is not attractive at all. It's time she to pull the plug. Been. Hey, everybody! Thank you for being. Thank you for being with us once again. We'll be back next week. Same time, same channel. This will be. Yes. <laughs> and the actress who plays plays her now in that uh, Superman Lois is not. Yeah, yeah. She's she's yeah. Eat something for Christ's sake. Yeah. You do know you, you get at least fifty, sixty grand an episode. Any kind of goodwill you've built up this episode, you are throwing it down the toilet now. Just saying, man. Keep I'm just 100. trying to look out for my just keeping it one hundred. That's uh, <laughs> probably what she weighs, but yeah. Uh, we're out of here. We'll be back next time. Come join us. Go buy some comics. Read them. And then maybe we'll talk about one of those next time. Yeah. yeah. In the meantime, say goodnight. Oh, that's rough. Man, that's rough. <laughs> Jeez. Tonight, the role of Vince uh. will be played by Jason Wood. <laughs> Jesus. This isn't the first time I've said that Lois actresses are not attractive. David. Good night. Next thing you're going to be telling me Shelley Duvall wasn't attractive in The Shining. <laughs> oh, God. She's a great actress. Though, She's so cute. Oh. <sighs>
<sighs> I give up. I totally give up. Ah, <laughs> uh, David, I can't. There's no recipe for beauty. It's different with every one of God's creatures, my friend. Yes, yes, this is true. Well, to whatever extent, <laughs> my algorithm processes Shelley Duvall does not come out as equals beautiful. Well, one thing I've I've decided uh, in the wake of of on a sunbeam is whenever you say. This is, I've read a story about, a, a coming-of-age story about a young lady and her uh, burgeoning sexuality. I will not Im- immediately poo-poo it. Oh, look at you. Uh, we've all grown. Oh. But I will say that Tilly does it better than most. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But I haven't read most, and so hmm. I will correct that. Yeah. Wow. There, there you go. I had forgotten how much uh, uh, Jeffrey Brown liked to draw himself naked. <laughs> Yeah. My dude like has no shame in his game. Uh, like he... Let's end it. We're done. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> you... it's, it's, yeah. Above board this episode. <laughs> That's it for that one. <laughs>